Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, got back from South America with this crew right here. This is our mission uh, crew, our Peru crew, Zoe De Leon. I'm going to start from the left and kind of work my way up there. Anna Packer, Audra Gramling, Josiah Carrizales, Danela España, Jacqueline Lopez, Jobina Ortiz, and of course myself. And uh, we're at one of the airports there, just kind of getting ready to launch out. Uh, we're definitely excited, uh, you know, just uh, thrilled for the opportunity and the blessing to be uh, just a part of that. But before I ask the crew to come up and, and share a little bit about that and just kind of unpack, uh, you know, when we got back, a lot of people just are asking, so how was it? How did it go? And, you know, we were there nearly two weeks. And so it's kind of hard in a one-liner to tell you how it went other than it was awesome. It was amazing. It was great. It was, we were stretched. We were grown, you know. Um, so, so this is a, just a, I think it will be an awesome time and a, a, an amazing time for the entire team to be able to share just a little bit and give us, uh, give the church family a report of our mission trip and, uh, and how uh, some of the experiences, uh, how the Lord has just uh, worked through that. Um, so before I ask them to come up here, I just kind of want to um, just reiterate the whole idea of, of uh, being mission-minded, to be mission-minded, because we can get really easily caught up in just doing the religious thing uh, all across the land. We see a lot of that just uh, playing out, and we want to be mindful that uh, we have a clear understanding what does it mean to be mission-minded. Uh, I think one of the first things that we must understand as a church family and as a believer, those that have put their faith and trust in Christ, uh, what, in order to be mission-minded, the very first thing that I think is, is vital and is important is to have a, a proper, clear theological understanding uh, uh, or a theological foundation of why we do what we do, Right? I mean, it's very clear. It's, it's rather simple, but yet it's profound and it's powerful. And that's the fact that man is dead in sin. That man has fractured the relationship between mankind and God. And that only Christ can atone for that fracture. Only, only Christ alone can uh, reconcile us back to God the Father. That he is the only one that is accepted that God accepts that perfect sacrifice on the cross to take care of that fracture, to take care of that sin problem in our lives. And that ultimately, you know, uh, uh, we are reconciled to him, then uh, the slate is clean, that we can now approach his throne, that we can now come uh, with grateful hearts and thankful hearts before uh, the, the majesty of his grace, of his power, of his love, and, and his, of his presence because of what he has allowed and because of what he has done for us. So to be mission-minded, it's got to start there. It's not just because, well, I'm going to serve uh, uh, the Awana program or Sunday school or be a part of the praise band uh, because I like it. I hope it's more than just because of that. It's because we have a clear theological foundation, an understanding of why we do what we do. And then the follow-up to that is to have a proper foundation or, a, excuse me, a proper uh, 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 motivation. And what does that mean? In other words, what motivates us to serve? What motivates us to take mission trips? What motivates us to help out in VBS? What motivates us to tell our boss or our employees about coming to church or inviting them to a revival or uh, letting them know about how the Lord has transformed your life? You know, there's got to be a proper motivation. I hope it's more because I just want to see uh, what people are wearing or what's the latest gossip. I hope it's more, uh, and I hope it's, that's not at all. I hope it's because the proper motivation is really one word, right? It's or two, right? His glory. It's for his glory. It's because we're so thankful and so grateful that mankind was so distant from God. We are so separated, dead in our sin, and his grace has fallen upon us. And we want to just render glory. I, t- I tell you what, um, it's good to do evangelism. It's good to serve and all that good stuff. But what takes the cake is the ultimate worship of God. If you can love God, if you can worship God because, because of what he has done, then we can then serve, then we can evangelize, then we can minister, we can teach, we can help in the, with, with the babies, and we can help in VBS, and we can help in the choir, we can help wherever because God is good. And our proper motivation is to that, to render worship because he alone is worthy. And finally, um, my brothers and sisters, have a proper action, proper action. In other words, now we, we know what we're going to do because 
We're going to do what, what God has called to do with the right attitude, a right motivation, uh, uh, and a proper action, like really sincerely praying. That's taking action, praying, God, how can you use me? What can, how can I use my gifts, my talents, my skills right here in the community where you've placed me, in the community of this church family? What, where's the need and how can I be a part of that? I want to do it not just to fill a space. I want to do that because I want to honor you, because I want to glorify, because I understand what the foundation of this gospel message is all about. And it's ministered to me and it's powerful. And so I got something to do. I got something to pray about. I got something to think about. And I, got, I can plan. I can be a part of that. And I can, I can prepare and get myself ready for wherever the Lord wants me to serve. Can I hear an amen out there? simple, right? I'm going to have uh, the uh, Peru crew to come up and take their spots real quick. Uh, this morning, I, uh, I asked the team, hey guys, uh, would you mind uh, sharing? Everybody just share a little bit. And, uh, and uh, they're going to just share, you know, just a, a minute or two each or so. And, uh, but at the same time, we got, some, we got a few pictures and we got a few videos that we like to kind of share with you. So um, make sure you, you turn on your microphones, guys, and we'll see if we can get kind of uh, started here. Um, Where's that e-card? We got an e-card? There it is. Yeah, you hold on to that. Yeah. Um, there is somebody missing here, of course, from, that, from the picture there, and that's Audra. We love Audra. She just couldn't make it. She had to go to a wedding with a family, um, but we, she's here in the spirit, and she's here on, on video. So um, we're going to start with her. I guess she's our first one, and then we'll just kind of proceed from... Oh, I'm sorry. Audra's not going to start. I forgot. She, uh, she's somewhere else, right? Jacqueline's going to start, and then we'll go from there. Uh, I t- when, when, I, when I started praying about this and the idea of praying and planning and putting some action into this possible trip to go to uh, Peru, uh, I kind of threw the word out. I, we put it in the newsletter. We put it in our FBI. We, I just kind of announced it to, through email and so forth, and, and, and a few of them were trickling in like, hey, well, I don't know. There's a possibility that I might be able to go. I might be interested. I, I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, what about... Uh, language. What, 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 what if I don't understand Spanish if we go to South America? And I said, the Lord will work through that. Don't you worry about it. And so we were able to learn. I taught everybody just a little bit of Spanish, some of those that just speak English, uh, to share the gospel uh, using the e-card. And they, we were able to do that every night. I think we had like five different messages that we were in charge of, uh, of leading uh, around the mountainside and uh, church services. And, uh, and they, they helped me out during the worship service. They were able to share uh, the gospel using the e-card in Spanish. You ready to hear them? All right. Go ahead, Jacqueline. Okay, you have to bear with me because I am not very good at my Spanish. So this is what I said um, the night that we did a service. So, buenos dias. Mi nombre es Jacqueline. And they actually called me Yaki. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> Um, es un placer estar aquí. Queremos compartir el mensaje de salvación en una forma muy simple. En una forma muy simple, in a very simple way. And here's Audra. Let's see if we can see if it picks us up. Oh, you might want to hit the lights just a little bit, guys. Buenos días. Me llamo Audra. Nosotros somos los jóvenes de First Baptist Church de Uvalde, Texas. Esta es la tarjeta E. La E significa evangelismo. All right, and from then from Audra, it went down to Josiah. La Luis representa Dios. Y el hombre está en la oscuridad um, porque el pecado de la desobediencia um, Rompió la comunión de Dios. Mm-hmm. Rompió la comunión de Dios. And then Anna went from there. Um, Dios ya tenía un plan para reconciliar el hombre con él mismo. Mandó a su hijo Cristo Jesús para morir en una cruz como sacrificio por nuestros pecados. All right. And then of course, I would then say... Porque de tal manera, there's the cross, right? John 3.16, Dios amó al mundo que ha dado su hijo unigénito. And then Zoe would then say, regarding the other side of the card. Mic him up, mic her up. Okay. 
los empuntaron en una tumba y antesen día resucitó. Y al tercer día resucitó. They put him in a tomb and on the third day he was raised from the dead. And then you flip that card around and Isaiah then will say y ahora um, y ahora el hombre puede llegar a Dios por medio uh, que es nuestro uh, por medio puente. de Jesucristo de, oh, de Jesucristo que es nuestro que es nuestro puente that's right he's our bridge es nuestro puente Él quiere rescatarnos de pecado, del mundo y del infierno. Jesús nos salva y nos da vida eterna. Si los recibes en tu vida y en tu corazón. Ya que aceptamos a Jesucristo a nuestro Salvador, hay cuatro reclamaciones que buscamos en Él. Primero, necesitamos ahorrar a tener una relación con nuestro Jesucristo. Segundo, leer su palabra cada día. Tercero, tener um, paz con una familia en una iglesia. Ahí, y then, el cuarto, a ir a compartir la palabra de Jesús a todo el mundo. All right. And so, in a very simple way, in a very practical way, we're able to just share the gospel message uh, each, each night. And then, of course, Sunday morning and also Sunday night uh, in different uh, worship services. And, uh, and so they all helped out, and I'll tell you what, um, they're a little rusty now, but they were much more fluid then, believe me. <clears throat> yeah. All right, I don't have my, uh, we had a little nightmare with our uh, computers uh, yesterday, but we're going to work through that, so let's be flexible. So, all right, Isaiah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so you might, somebody might ask, uh, so what did you do? How, how were you able to help out at this orphanage ranch? Uh, one of the things, it's a ranch, so in, there's always those that are into farming, those that are into ranching, there's always work to be done at a ranch. And so we just happened to get there right at the time of their harvesting of the corn. Now, they don't have the nice machineries that, you, that you know, here in America we enjoy. Uh, we were the machines. Uh, to do the actual work. And I remember sharing with, uh, with some of the guys, I said, you know, in America, one guy does all, I mean, one guy does all this in one big machine, you know, my big tractor that does all the work. But uh, we were a small, a group of just workers, and uh, we had to just kind of get these stocks full of corn, take them to an, a section. They did have a rented tra a tractor with a machine about this wide that would feed the corn stocks, and they would separate the chaff and the, the, the leaves, I guess, the, 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 chuck, the chucking of the corn and, and, the, and the grain into another sack. And it was just, it was long hours. It was hard. It was, uh, it was tough, but it was an awesome experience. So here is a little bit of that. We got some testimony from some of the guys. Uh, that, and uh, we're surrounded by mountains. This is up in the Andean Mountains. We're, um, I don't know, seven, 8,000 at least there, we're not, not quite as high as we will be later. Hola, hermanos, de First Baptist Church, Uvalde, Texas. Estamos muy agradecidos con todos ustedes de parte de acá, del área de producción. Estamos muy agradecidos por la ayuda que ellos hicieron por nosotros en la cosecha de maíz. Estamos terminando todo. Estamos muy alegres con la ayuda que ellos hicieron por nosotros. Muchas gracias y bendiciones. Okay. And uh, so, 
Let's relax here a little bit. I know we're trying to uh, be as formal as possible, but uh, I know there's a lot that you want to say. So I'll start with Isaiah. Isaiah, you want to share just a few thoughts about your experience to Peru, to Casa del Aguila? Get it close to you so that everybody can hear you. Um, well, I guess I can start off uh, with whenever, whenever I first went there for all, almost all the church services, there would always be this one kid, and he had this cool pan flute thing. And uh, I thought it was a really cool instrument. I'd never seen anyone ever play this in America. And so whenever we went to the market, I bought one. <laughs> and um, so I guess I can... Uh, while I was over there, I learned a little Peruvian song, and usually has like guitar and Spanish singing, but I can play the pan flute part, so I guess I'll just do that. practicing it's uh, not as good as the other person yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> and um, while I was over there um, it was really great because uh, we, we've been sponsoring um, a g- girl from a little girl over there uh, her name is uh, Jessica uh, she's not uh, we've uh, sponsored another kid before but he was adopted and I didn't get to see him in person because he already left the orphanage but uh uh, it was really great that we, uh, f- I finally got to go over there and meet her for myself, and uh, it's, you know, I've only ever seen two pictures of her, <laughs> and so we got to, like, hang out with her for a day, we went to town, and um, it was just really a, a blessing, and um, it was a great experience overall, and uh, we have a little video that uh, has a little interview of her, so we can show that. So she was uh, 12 years old when we, uh, uh, we had different pictures of the kids at the orphanage, and I told our students, our Thrive Student Ministry on Wednesday night, I said, all right, guys. Uh, we got to pick somebody else. Who do you want to sponsor? I mean, the, the resources that we'll send, $35 a month, uh, is going to help for her school, clothing, uh, food, and it's just going to help out this, uh, the ministry of, of this ranch orphanage. And, uh, and so we, we, everybody unanimously uh, went with uh, Jessica, and she was just a, a blessing, a very pleasant young lady. Um, all these kids need a lot of love. All these kids were just running to us. All these kids were just... Uh, excited that that we were there uh for them to encourage them to play with them to hang out with them and and uh and i know uh, jessica was especially thrilled that that we got to hang out with her and uh i think one of the days i told all the youth group i said all right let's uh everybody get a piece of paper and a pen and or a pencil and let's write her a letter and i think i sent her like 50 letters or something like that and that's why she commented thank you for all the letters that uh that you sent she still has those letters she has uh, has them as, as keepsake so it's just a real cool deal to to teach our young people uh, to be selfless and to uh, you know love the lord and love people and, and and it's so cool to love people even way across the other side of the world um, so, all righty. So, um, we not only did work in the, uh, at, on the cornfield, uh, we were divided up into different areas of ministry. And uh, the uh, orphanage ranch also has a clinic that was built there in 2005. And by a clinic, it's just a building. And then groups can come and offer and render um, their, their services uh, of course, free of charge to, to the orphanage and to the school and to the nearby community. And so they, there's all kinds of medical teams and, and nursing teams that, that go and help out. And so Danella was needed uh, to be a translator for a group that was there. So I'm going to let Danella kind of explain a little bit about that and how that went. Um, like pastors just said, um, I worked with seven girls from England that were dental. Um, they went in there to go help serve the community in there. And to me, it was real touching because, like Pastor said, we are up in the mountains, and there's a lot of villages that are real poor, I mean, that don't get seen. If you have a toothache, deal with it, you know? But here, we have the privilege of going, seeing someone, and just take a drive. These people will wake up four, five, 
travel walking with their babies on the back, you know, and their kids walking, no complaining. These children do not complain. And they go and they, they're there before we even got there just to make sure their kids got seen. So they're, and they ask, you know, do y'all have an eye doctor with y'all? Do y'all have a throat doctor? You know, they're looking to see what's provided for them. And they would sit there. They will take their sewing. The, the older ladies will take their sewing stuff and just sit on the grass with their kids. The kids well-behaved just sitting there. We'll call them in. They'll go in. They'll fill out their paperwork. And these people do not get services like we do once a, once a year, once a month, whatever. They just get seen whenever medical teams go out there. So I would, they didn't have an, uh, the girls from England didn't have an interpreter. So I would be going to each room saying what their pain was, where they'd learn. I got to learn the parts of the teeth, the numbers, you know. And, and then they had a nurse that came from Lima Tambo to make sure that what they were doing was right. But they didn't understand her either, so I had to translate what the nurse was saying to the girls from England and then from them to the patients. But like I said, I mean, I, it was tiring going, like Pastor said, it's just a small clinic. They just have one chair where they do excavations. So I had to put them in line and say, okay, this is your next, your next, your next. And like I said, they would stay there till like late and then have to walk up those mountains in the middle of the dark you know, with their kids and whatever, being in pain, you know, but they, they didn't care. They were going to get seen and they were going to stay there till they got seen. And they would put their kids first before them. And it was just so touching to me because they don't have services like we do. And they will sacrifice their walk to go make sure their kids got provided. So I really enjoyed being there and helping and being part of this mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are seven students that are, 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 they're just getting electives out of the way. They're from a university. They're going to be um, orthodontists and, and working in, uh, they're, they're, it's like their last year or something like that. And so, um, so they can do all the surgeries. They can do all the work. They just need a dentist to supervise the, the work. And there was a dentist from the Cusco area that came down to to help make, just make sure that everything was running uh, good. And so we interviewed her, and we interviewed one of the girls from, uh, from the university as well, or from the dental school. Let's try it one more time here. Hey guys, I'm at Casa del Aguila in near Limatambo, Peru, and uh, as you can see, they also have some uh, a clinic that uh, a lot of groups, volunteer groups, uh, come and and spend some time with the children. At this point, uh, this is this week that we're here. There is a group from uh, from England, and uh, the the uh, the dentist overseeing the group. Uh, is Rosa, so I'm going to uh, interview her really quick and uh, see if she can share some light on what's going on. Rosa, díganos su nombre y su profesión y qué es lo que está sucediendo aquí en estos tiempos. Mi nombre es Rosemary Holgado, de profesión cirujana dentista de Cusco. Aquí ahorita estamos contando con el apoyo de colegas estudiantes, de siete colegas estudiantes que estamos haciendo tratamientos preventivos, más enfocados en la prevención de caries. Contamos con aproximadamente de 200 niños, entre inicial, primaria y secundaria. Eh, mis colegas, que son estudiantes todavía, están siete días aquí realizando los trabajos que le he indicado. Ah, y también vamos a ver un día a los padres de familia. Okay, so they have about seven uh, uh, students of uh, dentistry that come from Great Britain and also from Canada. 
and uh, they'll come and they'll serve here uh, this community of over 250 students and also the surrounding they'll also even spend time with the families or the parents of some of the neighborhoods around the mountainside so that's just one uh, a dentistry group here but there's other teams, other medical teams that also make it out here uh, to check their eyes, to uh, just do physicals and do examinations and stuff like that, uh, just uh, preventative measures. So uh, it's just one great way where uh, ministry can be done and, uh, and uh, it's greatly appreciated by this community here at Casa del Aguila. Hi, I'm Helen and I'm part of a group of students from England and we're all fourth year dental students from Newcastle University and we've come here on our dental elective to volunteer with the children and orphans in the local school. So we're trying to see about 250 children, um, all ages from sort of 3 through to 16 and we've seen a couple of adults as well. We're sort of doing, checking their teeth, um, teaching them about toothbrushing, putting some fluoride varnish on their teeth. We have done some fillings and some extractions on some of the worst teeth. Um, yeah, really enjoying it. It's quite hard work, but I think they appreciate us being here. So it's, it's, uh, it was definitely very busy. It's uh, going 100 miles an hour and, and a, lot of, a lot of children, a lot of adults, a lot of family members that needed to be seen. So, uh, okay, let's... Uh, Let's, Audra's not here, but she, we, we got her on tape, so she was not going to get away. She's like, and actually, she was, a, uh, she was a hard worker, a sweetheart, and she wanted to make sure that she was a part of this as well. So let's hear what Audra has to say. Uh, before I went to Peru, I knew that I wanted to go since the trip first became an option, but I didn't know how to do it financially and everything. But uh, God was faithful, and this church was faithful to give and to fund our trip, uh, which was amazing. And so then I was all ready to go, and I was just um, pretty anxious about it, not knowing, um, never having been to another country or anything. But um, I just prayed that uh, I would really feel used by God and that um, He would really reveal Himself to me. And um while we were there, he definitely did not disappoint. Um, there were about a thousand things that really blew my mind while we were there, but one thing in particular was uh, the overall spirit of everyone that we came in contact with, whether it be the kids or other workers or volunteers. Um, they all had this spirit of just contentment and overwhelming joy, and um, it was crazy because they have so little compared to what we have, and um, I've never met people that um, just have so much joy in every situation and uh, are just thankful, thanking us for every little thing we did for them, thanking God for the tiny bit that they have. And um, God really showed me that I take comfort so much in things that aren't Him and um, just like the American way of life and um, where these people just wholly depend on God. Um, and he is genuinely their comfort. And um, that was a really neat thing for me to see. And so since the trip, it's been a lot harder than I expected to readjust because I just really fell in love with the kids and with Casa del Aguila as a whole, and I miss them very much. But I've just been praying for them and um, trying to depend wholly on God like they do and uh, be that person that has that kind of uh, godly spirit about them that is content and joyful. And um, it was definitely a life-changing experience for me. And so now I'm just waiting to hear from God and be open to wherever he calls me next to serve wholeheartedly. And um, I would recommend that to anyone and everyone to go because it was definitely the most amazing experience. All right. And uh, let's see, we have some uh, other teenagers that were there, and so you guys want to share? Uh, Anna, you want to start with, with uh, maybe your experience? And Well, um, I'd have to say going to Peru was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. It was just amazing to meet all these wonderful people and to get in touch with my youth friends and with Ralph, and it was just mind-blowing to me like how Audra said um they have so little yet they're so 
spiritual with God, and it helped me to get closer to Him, to know that I have so much. And it helped me to learn that I shouldn't be so ungrateful for what I have, and I should, you know, even the little things like hot water and um, just mosquito repellent and just the little things that we have that they don't. And it was just, it was definitely something that I was happy I went to. I had a lot of doubts about it, and I was going to back out at first, but I was just really happy that I went and that I got to experience that and get closer to God. Well, thank you, Anna. All right. Um, do we have anything else? Uh, yeah, eventually. Okay, before we go, we'll go with Carlos, let me hear Zoe. What about you, Zoe? Share a little bit about um, your experience out there. Um, what did you think before, maybe while you were there, and, and now that you're back? Um, my, Get it like, close. my most favorite part was to be able to play with the kids. Their balls are like flat and they like still play with him and they just have so much joy and over here in our little world we're like oh if you see a ball flat oh we need to go put air because I'm not going to be able to play with it because it's not perfect over there it's like so amazing and whenever I came back um, there was just a lot of complaining and over there you never hear complaining because Whatever they have, they live with it. And another great thing was whenever they saw Skittles, <laughs> they went crazy because they never ate Skittles. And when they got their own little Skittles, they went out and shared it with their family and friends and their like yeah. siblings. And over here, if you ever got Skittles, they're mine. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah. touch them and over there it's like here's one here's two and just to see their face is like there were the sour skittles so their face was amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's right and, how many oh go ahead <laughs> and over there on our way over there it was my first time flying so it was really amazing and the turbulence was not Okay, but <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. So, yeah. How many of y'all agree um, that every teenager needs to make a visit outside of the United States? Because, yeah, I, I, I know this is something like uh, you hear about, like, yeah, there's a third world country, second world countries, and we have problems in our first world country, right? I get home, and our road is being worked on. It's just dusty and, and dirt and stuff, and everybody in the family has a vehicle, and so my, our problem, we all had to park on the grass on the side by the alley, you know, the problems of a first world country. There's five cars in the parking lot. I'm like, Lord, oh my gosh, we're just blessed beyond measure. Yeah, they're old models, but who cares? We still have a car. We still have vehicles. And, um, and so I, I treasure taking young people to other countries so that they can uh, just kind of be in their world for a little while and come back hopefully a little uh, different with a whole different perspective. So thank you for sharing, Zoe and Anna. And uh, let's go with Josiah. Yeah, Josiah, tell us a little bit about your experience. Um, first of all, I want to thank the church for all your um, prayers and your for your financial support. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't want to go. I had a fear of uh, planes and that was my first time flying, and it wasn't as bad as everybody says it was. It was just like a little roller coaster. Those bumps here, bumps there. It, it was fine. Um, it was fine. He failed to mention that um, he was one of the lucky ones that got a window seat every time, so it was a little more frightful for him. <laughs> it was the the clouds were beautiful and the mountain peaks were beautiful. It, it all looked like paintings. And um, one thing I want to share was the kids. Um, they were so happy and so joyful all the time. They, um, with the little that they had. Uh, as soon as we got there, we had to work. Like Ralph said, we work in the cornfields. And then we would, um, at four, we would go back home and take a shower and then go play with the kids. And um, 
it was just a blessing to see how joyful they are with how little they have and how how like mad we get with everything we have like we're so blessed here and um i just want to thank the church for letting us be able to go and just um let us be able to have a fun time. It was it was honestly one of the best uh, experiences of my life to go out there and visit with all the kids and have fun. They were always smiling. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Josiah. And I mean, he mentioned, uh, uh, you know, a typical day we went to the cornfield. Uh, a group of us would go and work there till four o'clock. But if the reason we stopped at four is because of the uh, the home the orphanage homes needed us each each day a different home the parents or the supposed parents they're like host parents uh, for these uh, abandoned kids and, and orphanage uh, orphan kids um, they alternate uh, each day to take a day off to go to the market and and spend some time with their families in their real home and so the other homes kind of help take care of them kids and there's eight ten twelve kids in some of these homes um, and so the 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 one in charge, the lady that's in charge, she was like, your group, can you guys, when the kids get out of school, can you meet these kids? Their parents are out of town. Every day, there's a different home. They're not, they're not supervised. The other parents try to supervise, but it just, you know, it's not as efficient, right? Because they got their own kids to deal with. And I said, no, not, not at all. But, whoa, my gosh, after working in the field all day, and then to go, and these kids are like, they're not low energy here. They're, they want to play soccer. We took footballs. Big mistakes. They can't catch at all. They're like this. and They can catch a football with their feet better, uh, and, and, and they can uh, run circles around you with a soccer ball, el football. They're really good at them, right, Isaiah? That was an a eight-year-old running circles around Isaiah. And, uh, <laughs> and they're, they're definitely high energy, so you have to kind of be there, monitor them till about... I don't know, 5.30, 6 o'clock when we have to have dinner. And then we got picked up at 6.30 so that we can go to uh, lead worship and lead uh, uh, worship and uh, be a part of the, uh, the, the worship service. And the pastor of seven churches or so, he said, look, pastor, they hear me every week, but can you handle you know, the, the lineup of services, you and your group, you can do whatever. So we did skits. We did the Evangel Cube. We did some special music. Uh, whatever we could just to try to be a part, just serve what we could and just do it uh, for the glory of God, you know? And so that was each day. I, I got back hoarse, you know, I lost my voice. I'm still trying to recover uh, from that. And so, but yeah, definitely a, a pretty neat experience. I have one more video I'd like to show, but before I do that, uh, Jacqueline, you haven't shared anything yet. Why don't you, sh- I mean, I, I don't think we had to force you to come, right? I mean, you just... <laughs> have to force me to come. Um, I decided rather late that I was going to be coming. It was actually Mother's Day, and um, Ralph said that they needed another person, and so I was very hesitant on going, only because I cannot speak Spanish at all, and I knew there was going to be a language barrier. Um, I didn't know what to do with my children and leaving my family, but um, God just made everything possible. So, um, And also, I want to thank you guys for your prayer support and your financial support. It wouldn't have been possible without y'all. Um, so, uh, when we got there, like they all worked in the cornfield and, um, Audra and I did a couple days and then because of medical reasons, we weren't able to continue doing it. So we, um, went and worked in the kitchen and, um, the first day was a little rough just cause we couldn't really talk to them. Um, but it was amazing. Like, even though there's that language where we were able to communicate and able to figure out what we had to do and, um, the love that we formed between all of us was incredible. Um, so there was about, um, I think there was four women and, um, the three of them, were house moms and they would bring in their little babies and the little babies would just lay there on the floor drinking their bottles or they'd be running in and out playing with the chickens and um it it was (laughs) to see their um kitchen they kept asking us if we liked their kitchen and to us it's you know a little bit on the dirty side but they it's gorgeous to them and they have everything they need compared to what they have in their homes which is an adobe stove outside and they have to walk in the rain to get there to cook or um, walk in the rain to go to the bathroom and 
um, here they don't have that, so it's um, very special for them. Um, one day, a lady had me translate a prayer for her in English, and she said she was going to write it on her wall in her house, or, or put it on her wall in her house. Um, and just also to see the children eat what they were served, um, they are not picky on what they eat. We are so picky on what we have here in America. And there were many things that it wasn't bad, but I wouldn't serve to my children or my family just because like a bruise or something on a vegetable that I would cut off. And they said, no, no, it's fine. And how they eat every single piece of the animal as well. They don't take anything for granted. So um, it was pretty cool to see that. So, um, And then... Yeah, just to see the children's faces in there every day. We would serve them. Um, and trying to think of what else we did. Half but, of the stuff we didn't know what we were eating, but we just, with a smile, just, <laughs> we just ate it. Yeah, it's yeah. very offensive if you don't eat it. And there were a couple of days that they made us special um, dishes because they knew that we weren't really going to like it. <laughs> So, so that was very kind of them. And y'all got to cut, like, I mean, y'all were cooking for the entire we, ranch, pretty much. Yeah. And yeah, so we would you just cut, like, and... all kinds of vegetables. And yeah. some of the times I would say, hey, so what's for lunch? And you were like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, and she's in the kitchen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It was... Um... Well, we did a lot of prep work. We didn't really make the dishes, so we didn't really know. <laughs> there was one day that we were a little iffy, but we actually didn't eat that day. We were taken out to lunch that day. So. Yes, when the corn uh, field crew finished, they took us to go eat nearby, and uh, everybody was like, yes. <laughs> so anyway, um, we, were, uh, we were taken on a tour uh, on their uh, plantation, or they have all kinds of trees and fruits, and so I'm going to let uh, Jobina mention something a bit about that real quick before we wrap it up. Yes, definitely. When we got to Peru, um, you know, we had to get a little adjusted to the elevation and everything, and so um, to keep us healthy and without getting headaches or getting feeling nauseated, they actually took us on a tour of the orphanage um, where we got to meet Juan Carlos. Um, he's an amazing man, loves exactly what he does there at the orphanage, um, and his job was to see over all the vegetation. Um, man, we think H-E-B is awesome. Their vegetation was gorgeous. It was amazing. Um, he has so much pride in, in his job there and his duties in which all the workers did. They were so amazing and took so much pride in what they do. Um, you know, I myself find myself going to work sometimes and being like, man, I just wish I didn't have to go to work today. And, um, you know, they didn't do that. They just loved their jobs and loved what they did. And um, we got to know Juan Carlos a little bit. And um, it was just so amazing for him to show us, like, they had four different kinds of avocado plants. Some were really huge where, like, it's hung in the tree and you had to have both your hands for it to sit in your hands. It was so huge. And then they had little ones um, that were the size of your finger. Um, and they actually called them dedo. Um, but it was just, um, you know, it was amazing to see him. He talked about um, doing surgery to some of the trees. Um, and what it is, is they get a lemon tree and an orange tree, and they slice it in half. And so they'll have, like, the bottom part of the orange tree and get the top part of the lemon tree and, like, suture it together. They use tape and, I think he said, some kind of string, and they suture them together, which creates a fruit that looks like a cutie, but it looks like a cutie, but it tastes like a lemon. So he was so excited showing us, you know, the process and how it works. And um, just throughout talking to him, he we were able to like walk through and the kids were able to pull fruit off the tree and actually try it. There was um, a fruit called Chirimoya. Um, most of the group liked it. Some of us didn't, but, um, it was a very beautiful fruit. Um, it's green on the inside and kind of has the shape of a heart and you just crack it open and it's all white on the inside, very sweet and, and juicy and has black seeds inside. Just a, a really nice fruit. 
Um, but as he was taking us through, he, you know, he talked about himself and his family a little bit. And Juan Carlos actually has cancer. Um, and he was so excited to show us. He'd take off his hat and say, but look, I still have my hair. You know, even though I'm taking the chemo, I still have my hair through everything. Um, but we definitely continue to pray for him. He, um, because of the cancer, he had lost like two feet in his height. Um, it had um, messed up his vertebrae where it crushed. And so just seeing him go through this and still being so happy and, you know, so welcoming to us, he just wanted to share his love of the vegetation, you know, and, and share it with all of us. And so it was just um, pretty awesome to keep him in prayer. And then as we were leaving, we didn't get to see him the last couple of days because he was actually going in to get a bone marrow transplant plant, transplant done. So... Um, you know, it was just, it was just beautiful to see him and his wife worked at the school. So I was able to work at the school a couple days. And, um, I mean, it was just awesome to see how well everybody worked together. Everybody was just so happy and so content. And one thing that none of us mentioned is we love their Peruvian time because if they said be there at seven, at seven thirty, you were still on time. So that was awesome. Everybody was on time anytime. So Peruvian time was great. Um, but we do have a little clip, and um, we just like to share it with you guys because to them, this is their HEB. ¿Y en qué forma estos esas paltas cómo cómo le ayuda aquí a este campo? Bueno, este apoya bastante en apoyo económico para solventar, para tener a los niños, para recibirla a ustedes. Para que disfruten el trabajo que tenemos en Casa del Águila. ¿Cuántas plantas tienen aquí? Aquí tengo 4.800 plantas. 4.800 abocados de diferentes variedades. ¿Y este, a cuáles son las que se pueden exportar? Es la fuerte y la has. Esta es la has, ¿verdad? Esa es, es la has. Esa es la has. Eh, la otra es la linda. Esa es la linda. Esa sí, es, es más uh, para aquí Consumo familiar interno. Pero estas son las que ustedes ven mucho en el HEB. Uh, or in the states, uh-huh. ¿verdad? Y este, ¿cuándo es el buen tiempo para exportar estas? Marzo y noviembre. Okay, so there's a, in March and November are the times to uh, export the Haas avocados. Hey, um, we're here in Casa de Aguila and we've been having avocados, tomatoes, they even have bananas, um, chirimoyas. Um, this is <laughs> this is almost like pomegranate. Um, you just you crack it on your hand and peel it open, and this is the inside. Mm, it is delicious. It's very delicious. You eat the seed. You eat everything inside. Oh, um, this is their HEB. This would be an amazing HEB. This is a chirimoya. Everything is very delicious and just grown here. <coughs> okay, one the fruit that looked like a pomegranate. It had a hard shell, and you could crack it on your head, and that's how they showed us to eat it. Well, the chirimoya is not supposed to be cracked on your head, and that's yeah. the one just I thought it'd be really funny to try to crack it on my head. <laughs> but um, it was just, it was amazing experience, you know. Um, like I said, everybody works really well there together, and, um, you know, without you guys, I know not everybody could go, and there's probably some of you that wish you could have gone, but... Um, we, we definitely took you guys with us and um, are willing to sit down and talk to anybody if you have any questions. I mean, there's so much that you, can, you can't say right now. Um, when we got back, like Ralph said, everybody was asking questions and we didn't know, like there wasn't enough time to sit here and tell you how it went. So um, my thing was, I would just say it was a lot of God-inspiring moments. I, uh, somebody did ask, hey, did you eat the guinea pig? Remember the guinea pig? Um, uh, look at the guinea pig. Yeah, uh, Jacqueline, she, they own a guinea pig here at, at home. And uh, so to be able to do, do that and then do this, you make, it makes you wonder, right? As, and she, she swears that her guinea pig, suspi- she's very suspicious right now, right? I'm like, you, something happened over there. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but can you, can y'all see, that's teeth, all that right there. And uh, uh, they don't, they don't skin it. They just put it in an adobe oven, uh, just full blown. And normally they don't even take the guts out either. They just put it like, some even said while they're alive. I don't know about that, man. That's, uh, but 
It doesn't taste like chicken. <laughs> yes, it does. It yes, tastes it, like dark meat. It tastes meat. like barbecue. It tastes it, like dark meat in I thought chicken. the skin tasted maybe like bacon, but then you look at it, you can see the singed hair around it. Um, you know, and so I like maybe taking the pictures because uh, there's Miss Danella trying to eat. You can tell she's having a good time by her face, <laughs> eating that. <laughs> uh, uh, Anna's like all excited. But after the bite, what was that? <laughs> yeah, but the guys, man, they tore it up all the way down to the bone. I think they even made a necklace out of the bones or something. But... Josiah actually tried the lung and the eyeball, too. So he was going to town with it. <laughs> it was good. It was good. He uh, was really trying to get to the brain. Apparently, we heard that the brain was the best part of it. Um, but Josiah cut it up for all of us. And so he was like tearing it up. And for some reason, he couldn't get to the brain. So I don't know if it was gone or it was fried. I have no idea. Yeah, the skull was blocking it. So, But he did try most. Josiah tried most of it. We had bits and pieces. And we'll probably load up some more images, pictures, videos, tons of stuff. And I'm sure if you approach any one of us. We can give you some more uh, details about that, but we've come to the end of our, of our Sunday morning uh, service. Give it up for these guys that have shared uh, this morning. <clears throat> I do want to say that, you know, our flight out there, we had to deal with customs and, and they check your bags and they, you know, you went through the x-ray machine and there's all, you know, we're fully aware that there's boundaries, that there's uh, borders and all that stuff when you, when you make a an international uh, trip like that. Um, and I am reminded, I am reminded that uh, even though we feel rather comfortable here within our borders in, a, in the United States of America, um, I am reminded that we are foreigners, that the scripture is clear. It tells us that we are just passing by, that we are sojourners, and that our citizenship is not here on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven, a place where There is no barriers. There are no boundaries. There's no wall that everybody has access, that Jesus is the bridge that takes us there. And so while earth might have all these parameters and so forth, uh, let's remind ourselves that eternity goes way past earth. And you and I have an opportunity and uh, an obligation as people of God to continue to focus and zero in on our foundation, on the gospel message, and put the proper motivation because we want to honor him and give him glory. And then let's have some proper action. And let's just get out there, whether it be down your street, your neighbor, your work. We're going to have a, a back to school rally, an association rally. We're going to tell them, hey, you're going back to, you're going back to the mission field. And right there where the Lord takes you, go and take some action and take the gospel message of salvation to your world. And so if ever, there's an opportunity for you to serve, sign up for something, do it, whether it's here locally, statewide, nationwide, or internationally.